All right. Today we have Ellie Rivera, who told me how to pronounce his name just before we hit record. Ellie, thank you so much for joining. I'd love to um, hear you describe um, what you're working on with The Way Out, um, what your role is there, and just a very high level on the company. Yeah, sure. So um, The Way Out uh, breaks the cycle of incarceration through technology and gainful employment. It's an anti-bias employment platform that uh, I, myself, and co-founder Ruben Gaona uh, came up with in the winter of 2019 and uh, throughout 2020 have been developing uh, and uh, are about to, we've rolled out the uh, platform in November of uh, 2020 and we're about to roll out the app in the coming weeks. And so uh, what The Way Out does is it, it unlike other uh, second chance employment uh platforms, uh, i.e. Uh, honest jobs or 70 million jobs, basically employment platforms for folks who have a history of incarceration, uh, we don't just match the employers and the employees. Uh, together, we take that returning citizen and we um, extrapolate all of their contextual uh, highlights of their life. So, so uh, you know, whether those are skill sets, um, how, how they um, um, how they pass their time while incarcerated. Did they uh, seek higher learning or vocational skills or otherwise? We take those things, we weigh them because we feel those are important uh, attributes to a potential employee. Uh, and then we match those with the contextual needs of the employer. All of this is done under a, a cloaked veil until the employee and employer uh, decide they'd like to move forward. We drop the veil at that time. And then we continue on with the support mechanism in our app, which offers additional uh, training and support uh, um, uh, assets for the individual. Okay. Awesome. Um, let's give some context to the problem that you're working on and then dive into exactly how you're solving it. So mention recidivism, you mention uh, stigma of being formerly incarcerated. Um, I'd love to have you define specifically how you define recidivism first. Sure. Sure. And, and you know, this, this is a really great question in, in the context of this, uh, this reentry space because recidivism and reincar uh, reincarceration tend to get mixed up a lot. And, uh, you know, as, as folks are measuring things, they can say, Hey, look, it's, it's great on the, uh, uh recidivism side, but, really reincarceration could be getting worse. And that is the case here in Wisconsin. So I'll start with, with uh, recidivism uh, on its own, according to the, the Wisconsin Department of Correction. And essentially that means somebody who has, uh, has, has done their time, has uh, come off of paper, whether it's probation and parole, and uh, within a certain defined period of time have committed another offense, a separate offense, and found themselves back into the, uh, the prison system. And uh, the major difference between that and reincarceration is reincarceration is typically tied to the original offense. It's somebody tripping up during the probation and parole cycle, uh, doing something within that already existing time uh, to get tripped up and fall back into uh, incarceration. See, I'm already learning and I love it because my understanding was that recidivism is uh, specifically committing the same crime or offense a second time where what you're saying is, um, is that 
that is that is more so described by reincarceration. No, so so recidivism can be that. I mean, typically, if somebody has, let's say, you know, their their original offense was one of of uh, uh, distribution of narcotics, say, and and they do it again, but maybe this time it's cocaine versus marijuana. It's a new offense. It's a different offense. Okay. Uh, but to your point, it's similar. Or it could simply be this time they robbed a bank. So recidivism just means you've you've done something new. You've, it may fall under a similar uh, patterns, uh, whereas reincar- reincarceration, again, is specific to uh, breaching some form of your conditions of release upon uh, return. So probation, parole, mm-hmm. one of the things that, that we, uh, you know, one of the main reasons for the way out is um, oftentimes not meeting the requirement of seeking and finding gainful employment can result in someone uh being revoked and thus uh, falling into reincarceration. Got it. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, just like the uh, the French movie, The Untouchables, the one of the main characters. He's the movie starts by him showing up and basically saying, "I don't really want this job. I'm just here to to you know check a box on a form so that I can you know, continue receiving whatever." Um, I see. Okay. Reincarceration is specifically breaking the terms of release. Recidivism Mm -hmm. is, is, would you, would you say that, um, all, all instances of reincarceration are within recidivism, but recidivism is not necessarily always reincarceration. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. One of the, the big challenges right now that, that is faced uh, by a lot of the uh, reentry service providers, uh, those are uh, organizations that work specifically with someone coming out of incarceration to help them find uh, whatever services they need to, to reintegrate into society. Uh, one of the challenges they're having is, you know, if you look at recidivism as a whole, in Wisconsin in particular, one would say recidivism rates in Wisconsin have gone down. And, and so uh, folks may look and say, oh, well, great, that means we need less money spent on the, the incarceration issue as a whole, when the reality is simultaneously reincarceration has gone up significantly because we tend to have twice the average amount of time that someone coming out of incarceration is on probation and parole. So the tendency for them to trip up and fall into reincarceration is much higher. And so while the recidivism rate has shown to be coming down, the amount of people who are falling back into reincarceration has actually gone up And Wisconsin is one of the worst states in which it has gone up. Interesting. And, and you're saying that you see a correlation between the probationary period duration. Basically, the, the longer that period is, the, the, the higher the likelihood that somebody is going to is going to break that term. If, if that term, if, if you're on probation for life, like you have your entire life to break that term. Whereas if you're on probation for months, you only have those six months. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a great way of putting it. You know, the more severe the offense, the, the more um, uh, time you have on paper, the more um, opportunity you may have in that time frame to, to um, do something wrong. Okay. Now, now that I understand the the terminology better, um, 
I'd love to hear you explain one piece of this, this podcast is going to sort of dive into why it's such a big, we can all sort of say, yeah, of course we don't want people going back to jail or we want to try to, you know, have as few people as possible committing crimes, committing, um, you know, uh, um, offenses that can land them in prison. But I'd love to hear you talk about sort of the like the negative implications to society. What what this is doing that's holding us back um, that uh, is sort of a reason to work on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are so so many reasons as as we all know. And in the in the last uh, you know four years, certainly in the last few months, we've really gotten a, a, a glimpse at how deep uh, some of these these issues are uh, in in terms of the the systems that support them. Uh, it's it's really interesting, you know, as we are a tech startup and we speak with uh, lots of investors, potential investors from from all over the world. Really, it's so interesting to hear almost every foreigner say, "Oh yeah, and you guys have a horrible problem in America with incarceration." You know, everybody knows we we have the highest rates of incarceration in our country, uh, which which really speaks to yeah. what is really going on here. You know, and I think we're just starting to open our eyes to the ugly, messy, nasty truth of it. Uh, that is, well, you know, if you look at who predominantly is in, incarcerated, who is predominantly struggling, you know, over three quarters are people of color. That says a lot for the systems that have supported that network. Uh, and, and so we really have to start looking at the bigger picture of, you know, it's it's not necessarily what are we doing when people get incarcerated or as they come out, it's why are they going in in the first place? And how do we attack those those deeper issues right. that, that prevent folks from, from um, you know, doing, you know, I guess, having been born in, in, you know, raised in, in Milwaukee's inner city, you know, as, as, as we would say, you know, you, you got to get yours, right. No one's going to give it to you. And, and that's, that's a mindset that, that people find themselves in and, and find themselves getting in trouble because of, because there, there isn't, you know, everything from you, you joked earlier and I, and I loved it, you know, my name I've had, I've had, uh, you know, uh, times in my life where I went for an interview and somebody laughed in my face at my full name. Uh, those are those things are real. People don't wow. realize the impact of, of you know those types of, of um, uh, interactions with with beings, and all of that is is a, again a much deeper, bigger, um, much more profound uh, issue that we all need to to participate in in you know completely uh, dismantling and, and remantling in a in a favorable light. Remantling. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I was uh, really interested uh, in the work that y'all are doing and excited to have this conversation because, you know, with the, the Black Lives Matter protests throughout 2020 and, of course, before that, um, but really resurfacing um, throughout this last um, this this past year um, and really being reminded of the um the different experiences of living in America. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a neighborhood of Phoenix, Arizona called Awatuki, which was joked at the, the, the nickname or like the joking name was all white Tuki, right? So I, I, and, and like, 
even though that wasn't entirely true and i i like have been exposed to um people of many kinds of many different backgrounds um i definitely don't know i definitely am not exposed to the um sort of tough living conditions the the you know the the shitty hand that so many people in this country are dealt uh, and we won't even get into other countries but <laughs> what exactly like how would you describe to a potential investor why recidivism why um why specifically what you're working on is worthwhile um like you know i can come up with answers like you know just like like basic basic liberty and equity for all people like the fact that some people are um you know not able to build up their 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 family wealth and just like get out of poverty the fact that um you know we'll we see movies like this but yeah how, how would you describe to a potential investor or donor or whatever it may be um like again like the like the the things that are being caused the things that are happening as a result mm -hmm. of uh, the flawed system that you're working to improve. Yeah, that's that's an excellent way of, of looking at it, and and a wonderful you know opportunity there. the 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 reality is this: we're we're all in it together, right? I mean, it's and and even if you're fortunate enough to have you know, all of the, the, the blessings of a successful quote unquote, uh, life, it's really hard to enjoy when you know, someone else out there is suffering. Someone else doesn't have it that way. And, it, and, and if it doesn't bother you, then that's a whole other conversation uh, for you to have with right. yourself. And so, so from, you know, an investor standpoint, we know not all investors are, are looking for something in the social impact space. It's a unique space. Uh, it isn't a space where, where you should be so dependent on return on investment as you should on return on community. And community is that word. We're all in it together. We, we all mm. will benefit from the empowerment of others. And really, that's what this is all about. You know, it, it was the lack of empowerment, the lack of opportunity that lands most folks uh, in, in prison, in jail. Um, and, and it is that you know, going back to something you mentioned earlier, it is that stigma that often people dwell in when they come out that causes them to recidivate, to go back in because they feel this is all that I am. Look, now I'm an, a felon. I'm marked with this, this you know, scarlet letter F. And, and right. so you know, I have, I, I'm, I'm even worse off than I was when I first went into the system. And so, so that being the right. case, how do you, completely shift someone's mindset and, and, and prove to them, no, you are a value. You are a valuable being. You bring just as much potential and value to this world as I do. You unfortunately have, have a lot of, of experience in your life, rich experiences that have made it harder for you, but it doesn't mean you can't be uh, successful in, in terms of living a fulfilling life. And I think that that's key. You know, what, what success looks like also should be redefined. We, we should be looking at how do we change that view um, in, in life so that, that we're more aligned with the long-term sustainable definition of what success looks like. 
I, I love that, Ellie. And I, I love the concept of return on community. That That's exactly what I'm trying to dig into here is what is society missing out on mm-hmm. when we when we don't help people um, who are most likely to recidivate avoid that and, and build a life. I mean, I'm thinking of things like um, I'm thinking of just like influence that people have on, um, you know, kids that grow up with, with one or more parents who are in prison, who don't have a particular influence, uh, as they're growing up for a number of years and, and the sort of negative implications of what that does to, you know, those children, um, but also like economic contribution, right. For people who, who only want to look at the numbers, like, we want as many people as possible in contributing to the economy um, as opposed to taxing it, so to speak by, you know, because we know that prison costs money to keep people in prison. It's like, yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking through. (laughs) Yeah, no. And and you're absolutely right for those, those folks who, who need to see the numbers, you know, we, we spend typically $40 billion a year on just housing one single inmate. And, and that, that is, a huge number, but that is before you consider all the things you mentioned. What happens? What is the the cost when you spray it out for the family that that needs supplemental uh, food security or housing assistance or or you know the the twenty five to to thirty five percent of the children that will also end up incarcerated because of having a parent or both incarcerated. It, when you really break it down, it's not a multi billion dollar per year. It's a trillion, multi trillion dollar per year problem. So so to your point, if you're yeah. you know if someone wants to just be on the surface, great. Then help us save trillions of dollars. <laughs> you know that that look at it that way. If you're, if you're not. <laughs> If you're not looking at at other as as you know an extension of yourself and strictly looking at it fiscally, fine. We've got big numbers to, to throw your way too. Yeah, no, that's and so obviously when we get into that, we get into um, the fact that it is a tax funded expense. Um, I'm curious to hear who you think are sort of the, the nearest stakeholders, the primary stakeholders in this problem space. It sounds like the government is like number one, but I'm, I'm curious to hear on like, yeah, who, who the main, who the primary stakeholders are, the, the people who have the most interest in solving this issue this set of mm. issues yeah in in solving it uh it it's it's definitely i, I would say it's definitely more community-based uh, you know without getting into the the politics of, of prisons and the prison business and and otherwise you know it's it, it's it's all of right. us who live in in you know everyday uh communities these these are our neighbors these are you know people that 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 we might may be working with and if you know they're they're not you know if we're not hiring them and they're not 
one of our coworkers. They they should be because there's a unique perspective that we may be missing out on. So so really, it is it is yeah. it is at the ground level. Every community, you know, we 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 talk about this. You know, this day and age, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion is a big you know is 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 the big term of the you know of of the day. And and we say, look, a returning citizen because by default, almost all are black or brown or indigenous are a subsector of DEI. So, you know, it's it's wrapped up in in that entire space of of what do we lose when we don't open our eyes to someone else's life experience? What is the next invention? What is the next flavor someone could put on a plate in a restaurant? What is the next uh, you know, mm-hmm. a fashion statement somebody could make simply because here was somebody that isn't in your normal uh, sphere of influence, bringing something so unprecedented, so new, so fresh, so creative, that the the people who stand to lose the most are the ones who think they have the most when when they they really don't have the complete package. It, you know, it's it's a kaleidoscope of experience that that helps us evolve. Wow. That's, <laughs> I could, I couldn't have asked for, for a better, um, for a better person to interview on this topic for better answers. I'm, I'm loving this. I'm curious, Ellie, why did you get started on this problem? What's your story behind the way out and behind your motivation for, for working on this? Yeah, well, interesting enough, uh, my experience had uh, taken me through the uh, the federal uh, prison system uh, at a young age. I was um, first uh, born and raised uh, here in the mainland states. My family, uh, all coming from Puerto Rico, uh, raised by my mom and my grandma. So single uh, family, uh, very typical Latino uh, mom, you know, grandma uh, rearing in in Milwaukee's uh, west side. So actually, I, the light skinned Latino, was the minority in an all black community. Um, which, which unto itself was was mm. very challenging, very rich in my my own uh, experiences, uh, and and uh, you know, as as typical, uh, you know, and I'll be careful to use the the, the word you know uh, uh, immigrants because Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, although people don't don't uh, oftentimes recognize right. that. But having this first generation experience. Um, and, and knowing the reason, you know, my mom had come here was to, to seek a better life and, you know, finding employment and, and going through school and, uh, uh, you know, bettering her life. I was, I was, and, and God bless her for it. I was kind of left to my own devices growing up in the, in the inner city and kind of fending for myself, uh, physically and otherwise, and in the spirit of wanting better things for uh, her, her child, um, I was then bussed out to a suburban school. And so I really had this clash of, of experiences of haves versus have nots. And, <laughs> and that was super impactful, uh, you know, whether I wanted to realize it or not. Um, I was I was the only 100% Latino in, in a, a North Shore suburban uh, school at the time. Uh, and, wow. and there were, you know, maybe a uh, half a dozen uh, black children in the school. And that was it at that time. I may be dating myself, but but nevertheless, uh, you know, that unique experience really um, was was very profound and deep in my my understanding of 
oh shit, this is the way it works. This is what it means to, to have a silver spoon. This is what it means to be from the other side of the tracks. This is really, you know, that, that experience. And so, you know, at the time, I don't think you realize how, how, how it's impacting you, uh, you know, internally and, and, and all of that. And so in my, my, uh, late teens, early twenties, um, always been an entrepreneur by nature. Um, I, I began, uh, kind of got involved in, in the, uh, uh, marijuana manufacturing trade, uh, before it became a lucrative legal business that it is hmm. today. Um, and, uh, found myself incarcerated, <laughs> uh, in my, in my, uh, mid twenties, uh, and, uh, you know, had come out, had jumped back into society, um, uh, working in hospitality, which is what I was doing, you know, kind of in my shadow life as, as I was doing that before incarceration, got caught up in the business, family, all of that stuff. And it wasn't until I met my, my second wife who, who teaches, um, social work at the university here, here in Milwaukee. Um, that, that she started to ask me to speak about these things uh, to her classes, uh, you know, on the, the uh, mm-hmm. um, social uh, economic experience, the prison experience, all of these things. And I started to realize, oh, this is really therapeutic. This is really a, a wonderful opportunity to really explore some of the stuff that I just kind of just, you know, live my life through without even pausing for, including incarceration. Yeah. And uh, it was with that that then wow. one day uh, American Family hosted a social impact uh, event at Sherman Phoenix in the winter of 2019, uh, which ultimately I met uh, my business partner, Ruben Gawana there. Uh, we came up with this idea and we've, we've been running with it ever since. And what was it like when you re-entered society i believe as you described Mm -hmm. it um yeah what did that feel like what did that feel like (laughs) yeah yeah well you know i mean there's there's a lot of anticipation uh because again going in knowing that um you know once i come out i'm going to be labeled a felon that, that's always the biggest thing. Again, you know, talk about that stigma. One already knows that anybody who carries that, whether it's from what people see on TV or, or how, you know, someone with a history of incarceration is vilified or, or otherwise, like, like I was coming out as one of those people. And so, so I knew that that was going to be challenging. Right. Uh, fortunate enough for me, um, at the time, I was, as I said, I, I had an experience in hospitality. I was, I pretty much had a job coming out of incarceration. So to me, it was seeing everybody else saying, oh my God, how lucky are you? Like, like you're going to go, you're walking into this unknown space with an opportunity and, and I don't have that. And so that, that immediately yeah. had, had a big impact on me. Then being in the halfway house, which is the transition space between, you know, full, fully being released into society and, and slowly coming back. One of the conditions of, of being in that space is, is finding employment. So I got to see, I mean, it, it, to this day, I was actually driving earlier today and I was thinking about the sound of grown men crying of like, like these, you know, tough guys coming out of incarceration crying because they weren't meeting the quota of the amount of jobs that they had to go seek that week and they were going to be revoked. Like, mm. like that, 
like the, mm-hmm. the, the, in thinking how fortunate I was like, fuck, I can't believe that I am so fortunate. I, I, I'm just coming here to go to sleep, do my chores, go back to work the next day. And here are people who right. are having the door slammed on them literally with no chance in hell of finding a job because first of all, they're, the majority are much darker than I am are, are, you know, are, are definitely haven't had the life experience, you know, some of the social experiences that I've had, like that is lose, lose. These, this guy's going to end up in prison because he can't find a freaking job. That's horrible. And, and not to mention, yeah, not to mention when you do find a job to meet that prerequisite, it also means you're giving up 50% of your earnings to that facility. So, the median job coming out is typically minimum what? wage. Yeah. So, so minimum wage minus 50% of that minimum wage. And that's what someone's expected to live off of as they're re- returning into society or pay their, that, you know, that's not including if you have penalties and fines and restitution, um, uh, you know, any kind of, of uh, alimony or, or child support or anything else, all of that gets tied in. So the moment you walk out, you're way more stressed than you ever were when you were incarcerated. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm sure it feels, I'm sure it feels like an impossible wall to climb, you know, being at the bottom of an impossibly steep pit with, with no way to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as as you say that, think, think about it, you know, before trying to make that ascent up that, that pit, you know, you didn't have, uh, you know, 200 pounds of weight stuffed into a backpack, you know, with, with the term felon on your back, you know, to, to climb out with this time, you know, before it was just simply the color of your skin or your name or your zip code. Now it's all of that plus this additional weight. Wow. Okay, um, I, I I need to hear how you're how you're helping people. So I'd love to I'd love to hear you define the term gainful employment, and then mm-hmm. that'll kick off this section of the conversation. Yeah, well, I, I think you know society as a whole is starting to realize you know at the low end if 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 you're not earning at least fifteen dollars an hour, it's hard to make it anywhere. You know, it's, it's, you're certainly not going to build wealth that way. You're certainly not going to be able to purchase your first home or or maybe vehicle or otherwise. And so, so, you know, that's, that's kind of our entry level that we look for is, Hey, can we at least start somewhere that, that, you know, if, if 50% is taken away for a halfway house, at least you're pocketing minimum wage, right. At at the end of the day, at at the very least, let's, let's start there. Um, you know, we, we had an example of a gentleman, and this happens all the time, um, you know, who was passed up for promotion because of his, his, um, uh, his, his record, his, his, uh, you know, his most recent uh, record. And, and this, this individual was, was um, set up to become a supervisor, moved from uh, $9.25 an hour to $13 an hour. Um, once they found out he had uh, this blemish, um, they said, sorry, we can't give you the promotion. They still continue to rely on him to, to you know, to uh, facilitate some of the, the supervisory roles, but didn't give him the, the, the promotion. Uh, we subsequently found this gentleman a job uh, earning over $30 an hour. 
He was so incredibly wow. grateful. He was able to have uh, Christmas uh, with his, with his daughters. He was able to uh, make plans to move out of his mom's basement. He bought a car. I mean, life changer. And the kicker was that the employer said, we, we wish we had every employee like this guy. I mean, what a, an, a, an amazing person. They even <laughs> created a bonus plan based on, on his performance because he, he was such an exemplary oh uh, example. And so, so you know, it, it really takes, and I feel like I may have gone off, off task here, but, you know, why, why we, we say it makes a, a difference to have a living wage? Because, because with that, there's hope. There's hope that rather than, than, you know, punching in and punching out and living paycheck to paycheck, maybe you can create... Uh, you know, you can, you can create another story. You can work down that path to, to buy a home at some point. And so, you know, all of these things are things that, that we incorporate in the experience of this holistic employment platform. It's not just getting the job. It's, it's making sure you have financial aptitude. And if you don't, let's get that for you. So you understand how to manage your money. Let's make sure that, that, that you understand, you know, the, the, importance of, of, you know, the differences between leasing a car and buying a car and, you know, all of these things that will help you set yourself up for success ultimately. And then you can pass that on and begin uh, the, the trajectory for your next generation to understand that because it, it is, I mean, if you don't know the game, you can't participate in it. You can't play it. And so, so we want to make sure everybody is yep. equipped to succeed. And, and we know whether you have a history of incarceration or not, you're only as good of an employee as your life circumstances dictate. So if you're concerned about a roof over your head, about how you're going to get to work, the right. fact that you, you don't have medical insurance for yourself or your children, you can't bring your whole self to work. You can't bring. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's something, um, when you're, when you're thinking about survival, you can't possibly, you can't possibly be, creative and and thrive to the degree that you're capable of as an individual uh until you're not worried about where the next meal is coming from um how your children are going to get taken care of um again the roof over your head yeah 100 percent. and to make sure that that i and and anybody who listens to or watches this really understands the difference here we all know what employment means, but I'm, I'm not totally clear on the term gainful employment. Um, I'm curious to hear how you define that. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I think that that's just kind of a clever moniker that just kind of kind of, you know, fit what we were doing gainful in that that, that you can you can make strides towards another uh, the next chapter of your life you can you know it's 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 gainful okay. versus it being something that is 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 again you know to that point passive paycheck to paycheck it's it's something that that you're creating some sort of, of next step next year i don't know if that's the best you, you might have me contemplating our, our next uh brand move here <laughs> no it's it's good yeah i i but gainful means like lucrative, uh, profitable, promising. And to hear you to hear you talking about wealth building, I mean, I just recently listened to an interview with, um, I believe his name is Isaiah Johnson, the author of Bitcoin and Black America, um, talking about you know inflation rates and how you know if if you want to have any 
uh, chance of building wealth uh, in this economy, you have to, you know, make certain moves. And so his mm-hmm. his books are an attempt to educate people to that end, um, mm-hmm. especially as it relates to um, to like decentralized finance, like like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, um, and. <clears throat> And you guys are working from the like employer employee matching. So, so I'm curious, tell us a little bit more, please, about um, the sort of um, the, the, the user journey or the, 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 um, the journey yeah. of somebody who, h- how do they find out about the way out? And then um, you talked a little bit about the process already. How, um, what am I trying to ask? Yeah, like, like, how do they find out about it, and um, and how are you also uh, on the company side, sort of recruiting good employers who care about this? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, the the current uh, model right now relies a lot on the support uh, uh, service providers that we work with. So, uh, one example here in Milwaukee is Project Return Milwaukee. They're, they have over 40 years of experience with folks coming out of incarceration, helping them find uh, employment, uh, housing, transportation, all sorts of other needs. Now, they don't do everything internally. They have other peripheral organizations that they work with. And so the, the ultimate intention behind The Way Out was to provide the technology to help organizations like them support the returning citizen. And, and do an even better job and stay plugged in and offer all of these additional training opportunities and support uh, opportunities. So, so that's where we've begun is working directly with these organizations. Um, as, as the user experience, someone coming out of incarceration or that has been assigned to a returning uh, 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 service provider goes onto the, uh, the Way Out website creates their profile, uh, which includes giving us a little history on, on uh, what their their story was of incarceration, uh, what some of the skill sets were and mm-hmm. other attributes that they had gained, uh, what are the support needs that they need today coming out. Uh, and we take all of that information and mm-hmm. we, we, we take it and we direct it towards whomever we feel would be the best support network for this individual. Uh, at that point, their, their trajectory is is mapped out on an app for a uh, re-entry uh, support services, uh, personal development and employment tracks. And then all of that information is managed via our app. Uh, in that way, we, all peripheral service providers are able to assist in, in managing uh, this individual's uh, return, making sure that they have uh, gone to all the meetings they need to go to, that they have followed up with all of the, the um, uh, providers they, they should, and that, that they don't fall through the cracks. And, and as they do this, uh, we incentivize them. We give them prizes for, for achieving uh, certain goals, uh, whether they're monetary, badges. It's a mix of everything. It's just a, a way of saying, hey, we see you. Good job. Keep up the good work uh, and, and keeping folks engaged. And so, so that's really you know, the experience that, that we promote. And, and our hope is from the employer side, the employers start to see, wow, they're, you know, it's not such a big risk to hire somebody who, who's come out of incarceration or has a history of incarceration, as long as there's a support network 
uh, involved in that. And so, so that's what we're promoting is, hey, you're not just getting this individual, you're getting the reentry service pipeline, you're getting our technology, you're getting our support, and let's, let's help you by making sure you're no longer hiring just to fill a job just to to have someone uh you know punch yeah. a clock and fill a role we want to we want folks to build careers with you and so you're not looking for the next employee right. because you know hopefully our job is done at the end of the year and you won't have to hire again because this person's in it for the long haul uh and so so we're looking to promote careers we're looking to move people from the, the average three and a half month life cycle to a year and beyond Okay. I love that. Um, and so you, you described essentially, I mean, I, I loved the story that you just shared about the, the gentleman that, um, you were able to, to place him in a $30 an hour, uh, job and, and having Christmas with his kids and, and all of that. Um, why is, this gainful employment solution, really focusing on the right matches, um, mm. supporting people back into their careers. Um, why is that such a powerful solution in preventing reincarceration or recidivism? Well, that that's a great question, and and that was you know one we we continue every day to to really try to try to figure out, you know, I, I guess the, the greatest part of all of this is, uh, and, and, and you can, you can do this with probably any starting point, but with the employment and the way we approach it, um, we're, we're taking that holistic approach again, with, which includes, you know, oftentimes we take our first, second, third, 10th job, and, and we don't know what we want to do with our life at that point either, right? Because we don't know right. who we are. Yep. And, and, and so, you know, part of this experience is really getting people to understand who they are, both from the past of what has happened to the potential of where you are today and who you can become. And in that whole experience really create a healing opportunity. So, so again, it truly is holistic. We just happen to use employment as the vehicle, as, as the doorway to check in and say, well, let's find out more about yeah. you, right? What, 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 what are your passions? What are some of the things? Why do you find yourself constantly gravitating towards working with your hands? Maybe that's the job you need, right? And, and so it's just a wonderful way to, to get people to open up uh, without, without even knowing how deep of dive they've done on themselves. That's fantastic. I mean, I, I have a lot of a lot of personal experience with um, how powerful career discovery and self discovery can be for just unlocking things. So, I'm curious. Um, I want to know kind of what your vision is for. You know, what, what does the world look like in ten, fifteen, twenty years? Um, thanks to you, the way out, thanks to other people working in this ecosystem. Yeah. How, how do you envision the world uh, in that way? Yeah. Well, that's, that's a huge, huge question. And, 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 uh, you know, I, I certainly appreciate that. You know, I, I think all of this is, is again, you know, collectively a, a step towards 
building stronger communities. Uh, you know, really uh, communities that that embrace the uniqueness of of each individual's life experience. Um, that that includes. Uh, any, any challenges one may have faced, including incarceration and embracing that and, and considering that just another, you know, notch in a life experience. And so, so if we can do that, if we can see, get people to start to see the value in one another, regardless of skin color, regardless of socioeconomic background, regardless of, of what one possesses or doesn't possess, you know, to, to us, that that's what we want to be a part of. We want to be a part of that, that opportunity to, to help folks, you know, open their eyes to the potential of, of every individual uh, in the world. And, and that's, that's really what it comes down to. We see that, that, you know, by, um, by creating uh, a stronger sense of belonging, uh, a stronger sense of potential, and otherwise, we'll we'll make better decisions in our life, you know, naturally, because there won't be this urgency, desperation, or this this feeling of being less than uh, if we can we can all really just embrace one another's uniqueness and and move forward. Yeah, that's so important. I mean, I, I, I can see, I can see a world in which like a, a tiny fraction of the current, um, number of people who go through, uh, incarceration. Um, I, 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 I can envision a world in which so few people go through that and that, that, that will take I don't know. Will that take generations to achieve? It it may. I mean, it it certainly may. There there's a lot of healing that that needs to happen. You know, uh, collectively outside of the system as well as in the system, uh, and the individuals who have who have lived the trauma that has has landed them uh, in in that space. Uh, so so there is to your point. There's a lot of collective healing, and you know, I th- I think you had mentioned earlier in, a, in our dialogue, uh, maybe even before we went on air that, you know, it, it's time for us to st- start looking at new ways to measure success, right? And, and one of the things we need to, to really accept is as screwed up as our country has been, we're only a couple hundred years old. I mean, we're, we're very, very young. Uh, and, and if we can, we can look at, you know, how much, how much, better we could be in the next 200 years, maybe that's a better approach to, to seeing, um, you know, the, the possibility and the potentiality uh, that we possess. I like that a lot. I, and I'm curious to, to know, like, who else is working on this solution? Like, are, like, do you have strategic partners? Yeah, well, certainly you do. Um, yeah, how how do you fit into the landscape here, um, and what are some of the other ways uh, that people are solving or could solve um, this and and really move the world forward towards you know this this potential society where <clears throat> excuse me incarceration is is almost non-existent 
Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, some, some of those partners are definitely on, on more of the social justice uh, side of things. You know, some of the, the, uh, um, the political uh, advocates um, for for ending mass incarceration and prison reform and otherwise, you know, on a national level as well as as a local level. Um, in, in regards to uh, employment, you know, I, th- I think the first step, as I mentioned before, is you, you hear a lot of folks speaking about the diversity, equity, and inclusion work. But again, without there being uh, uh, the metrics to gauge success right now, people keep either pausing or falling back on the the old return on investment models and really aren't giving it the fair shake that I think they they need to. But there are some organizations out there. You know, you look at um, uh, somebody like uh, American Families uh, Institute for um, uh, Corporate and Social Impact. They're they're putting money where their their mouth is as it relates to helping you know fund organizations that that are helping uh, marginalized communities uh throughout the nation um you know we've we've kind of been working uh with a generator here in milwaukee and they they are and all across the nation now but they offer a ton of upskilling opportunities for uh again for marginalized uh communities folks who typically don't have access to some of these these skills and, and career opportunities um, a lot of people are stepping up the, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks and, you know, all of, there's a lot of interest in social impact. It's still young. Uh, people are, are, are starting to understand yeah. it. I think, you know, you, you have a lot of people who are either dipping a toe in some who are kind of standing, looking over the edge and, and others who are, are kind of running up to the cliff to see whatever, what everybody's looking at. Um, and, and, you know, but, but really the most important, uh, our, our most important allies right now are the people who have been and continue uh, to work in the reentry uh, services field, uh, the the Project Return Milwaukee, the Nehemiahs, the community advocates um, uh, here in Milwaukee. You know, I mean, there's so many wonderful organizations offering everything from uh, transportation to, to housing to uh, 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 health services and otherwise uh, at, um I mean, it's incredible. The amount of people we're meeting have need a whole other podcast yeah. to, to name them off. But there's some some really wonderful people doing some <laughs> wonderful work right now. That's amazing. Um, and and what are what are some potential solutions that maybe you haven't seen? You, maybe you, there isn't necessarily an organization that's working on it yet, um, but things that you've considered that could really uh, help you folks in your work help the people that you're trying to help. Like, what are some things out there that that could be created that that you're not seeing yet? Hmm. I don't know. I'm, I've, I've often prided myself on kind of staying in my own lane. Um, but but I do think, you know, ultimately what it comes back to is, is the more that we can do to get folks to uh, recognize the, uh, the the trauma and the, you know, the injustices and otherwise that may have contributed to what got them into trouble and then rewriting that and changing that perspective to a much more empowering one, whatever tools and vehicles that can be added to make that experience happen, then that's, that's what could help. Yeah, I see that. What, what would you say to people who, 
will often have the argument um you know this idea that like ah you don't want to just give handouts like you don't want to help somebody too much or whatever what what would you say to to somebody who's thinking that way yeah well you know i i would say probably 99 percent of the people you would be giving that to don't want to hand out either they want to hand up you know if if the Mm -hmm. playing field would have been level to begin with then perhaps there wouldn't be an Mm. ask yeah okay that's perfect well, um, to make this actionable for people who have listened all the way through, <clears throat> what are your best recommendations for um, how people can get involved locally within their communities, also potentially with your organization or partners? Um, yeah, people who want to like take action now in, in small ways or larger ways, what do you suggest? Yeah, sure. So, I, I mean, there... The, we we purposefully chose not to be a, a nonprofit to kind of allow ourselves to to be uh, more uh, fiscally responsible and in, in being self sustainable. And so everything we do, you know, we're we're earning and putting back into uh, the organization. So so there are ways folks can help us financially. We have a GoFundMe campaign. Um, there are ways that that folks can simply follow us on uh, LinkedIn or Facebook right now as, as we, we kind of, uh, you know, spread our social media wings. Um, there are opportunities uh, to just go yeah. out and help in any capacity, uh, you know, look at the local nonprofits that are doing work in reentry and volunteer your time, help out in, in whatever capacity, um, you know, my, my business partner, uh, Ruben uh, Gaona, is also a, a vet, a uh, Navy vet. He always says it's a one team, one fight mentality. And so, so you know, we firmly believe that. So it doesn't have to come through us or, or, or be us uh, that, that ultimately uh, offers the service or helps. Get, get in there, roll your sleeves up and, and do what you can with some of these organizations doing great work. What what are some of the small ways that um, people might find they can volunteer with those organizations or just get involved uh, at the literally the neighborhood or community level? Yeah, well, I mean, right now the the biggest thing is uh, is food banks. Uh, you know, there's there's never been a greater need for uh, food distribution. Uh, volunteer at, at any one of the uh, the local food pantries or or um, uh, housing uh, shelters or otherwise. Um, you know, and, and it's sad, but it's not only reentry folk right now with, with COVID that are needing these helps. They are your yeah. neighbors. And I think, uh, you know, that that, that, that yeah. experience of seeing that it can be anybody that, that suffers, that, that we can help, uh, maybe the, the best, uh, you know, the, the, the best motivator uh, for us as we start to see more more people who look like us need help. That, that may be the, the kick in the butt we all mm-hmm. need. Yeah, I love that. And I think you're 100% spot on. Well, Ellie, it's been an absolute honor to have an hour of your time to learn from you. Um, If anybody wants to connect with you, what's the best way to connect with you? And how can people uh, find your GoFundMe that's currently active? Yeah, uh, for both. They can go to uh, org. Uh, and uh, through the website, you can access the uh, GoFundMe. There is a uh, info at twelt.org or 
directly to me, E. Rivera at TWOUT.org. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> it's It's been an honor. I can't thank you enough, man. Well, thank you for this opportunity. This has been great. And, uh, and, and hopefully to your point, people take action and help out in whatever way they can. It all matters.